All right, how we doing, everybody? It is one twenty four twenty. I am your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Austin Bickett is here to talk UofL UK basketball, Zion's debut, the Aaron Hernandez documentary, Super Bowl memories, and much, much more. Our show is brought to you by O'Shea's Irish Pub. This is the first Sunday without football in 20 weeks. That's crazy. What a great time to stop by O'Shea's Irish Pub for the 99-cent smoked wings. All right, let's get it going. All right, Austin, it is just great to see you. No football this weekend. No football. We've got to start getting used to that. Are you okay? Uh, it hasn't really hit me yet. It won't hit me until after the Super Bowl. But, and actually, it really doesn't hit me until after March Madness. But, yeah, it's uh, about that time. After March Madness, that's really rough. Yeah, it's the dark times. Yeah, I still like it because I have the Cubs. But don't get me wrong, it's still my yeah. least favorite part of the Coming year. Coming from a guy who doesn't really watch baseball at all, take the summer off from betting, take the summer off from sports, and – Miss it every day. Yeah, that's not going to work because we still have to do podcasts. <laughs> but we still have two local basketball teams that are having really good seasons. We'll start with the Cats. They played earlier this week. They beat Georgia 89-79. to They sweep Georgia. Don't really think that's that big of a deal. Georgia no, is not, not that good. Not a good team. Just have one really good player, and he didn't play very good. No, he was a little shook, and he was really close to going to UK. I think that got in his head a little bit. He was definitely trying to do too much. but Man, that would have been cool if he would have. Yeah, you guys would be way better than what you are probably. <laughs> yeah. And he would probably look way better than what he does. Yeah, it just depends. He has his games. He's probably the streakiest player that I've no, I'm not gonna say ever seen. That'd be a hot take, but he's super streaky. And when he makes one shot, it feels like he's going to make the next 10. When he misses one, it feels like he's off for the night. Couldn't agree more. Well, what are your thoughts on where UK is at right now? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good, honestly. I mean, we have four losses in mid-January, which isn't completely typical for a Kentucky team. We usually we either have more or less at this time. Uh, we've had teams that have looked like they're going to the NIT. Some teams that have went to the NIT. We have teams that have gone undefeated or only lost two or three games all year. But, I mean, the fact that we lost to Evansville, it's still concerning. It still bothers me. But that's probably a – we play them a 1,000 times. We beat them 999 times. Um, another loss – Yeah, they the, literally lost their coach. Yeah. He's uh, fired. Yeah, vacate that loss off our record. Vacated. They were cheating. It's done. Um, <laughs> another loss at the buzzer to a bad South Carolina team. But Kentucky tro- controlled that whole game. It never really felt like they were in trouble. It's weird to say, even though they lost. But, I mean, South Carolina just hit every single shot they threw up in the second half. Probably five or six banked in. I kind of think that's a fluke, too. Uh, the loss to Utah just got down big. Quickly had an open three to tie it at the buzzer. Doesn't go in. And then the Ohio State loss, which was – now they don't look very good. But at the time, they were arguably the best team in the country. So, I don't really know what to make of that loss. But four losses by a combined 13 points. Our record could be a lot different if a few shots go a few different ways. Richards playing at an all-SEC level out of absolutely nowhere. Quickly and Hagen's peaking, playing some, their best basketball of their careers. And Maxi shows up in the biggest of moments. We really just need um, Keon Brooks or Khalil Whitney to be more consistent, and Khalil Whitney just better. Yeah, Khalil Whitney, good Lord, three minutes, one point the other night. Yeah, he's he's not good. He's just athletic. He can't do anything else right now. Uh, hopefully he gets better, and obviously expect him to be back next year. Hopefully he can um, take a jump in his second year. But uh, Keon Brooks played really good against Georgia. We need that pretty much every game because it looks like we're not going to get much from EJ Montgomery either. So God, Sestina, six minutes, two points. Yeah, Ke- that's kind of a that was kind of a um, product of Keon playing good because Sestina has been playing a lot more minutes than what he did against Georgia. But 
And I like that. Cal sees one of his guys finally playing good. You got to leave him in there. Yeah, and you guys have four guys that are going to play at least three-fourths or all yeah, uh, of the quick, game. Quickly played all 40 minutes. Did not come out once. In the prior game, the one over the weekend. Yeah, against then, Arkansas. Yeah, and then 36 minutes this most recent game with 12 points. Hagens has really turned it on in all aspects of the game. 23 points, five rebounds, nine assists against Georgia. He's yeah, a he defensive played, guy. Yeah, he played awesome against Georgia, and he's he's played really good for most of the year. But the only thing with Higgins is I hate all these step in threes he takes or long twos on fast breaks. If he could just uh, because he can get to the he can get to the rim with ease pretty much. And that's still how he's doing his scoring. He hit zero threes against Georgia, and he still got to twenty three points. If he could just eliminate that or take better sh- jump shots at times, he's not really a jump shooter. That's not what he's known for. But he can hit them if he's open. I just wish he would have a little more space on those. But yeah, I mean, he played really good, and when he, him and Quickly and Maxi are playing good together, we're going to be just as hard as anybody to beat in the whole country. Yep, and that's what's been most impressive to me about both Louisville and Kentucky. You're able to win in a game where Maxi goes one of three from the field and has seven points. I don't think Louisville's ever going to have a game where Jordan Wara shoots three or fewer times until he leaves the university to move <laughs> onward. But I, I think that's pretty impressive that they're all kind of bought into the we're a team. We're going to win. We have these four guys, and that next spot is interchangeable, and you have a lot of options at least. So if guys have bad nights, they're out, and guys have good nights, they're in. Yeah, you expect those three to play pretty consistently at a high level every game. Like I said, we just need one. And Richards, is, Richards has been right there playing consistent with them basically all year. He's been arguably our best, most consistent player all season, which is crazy to think about coming into this year, but that's just how it is now. And like I said, we're just going to need a fourth – or a fifth guy, I guess, but a fourth um, power forward wing type player to step up on a nightly basis. Yeah, you can do a ton of different things with that lineup. You can go huge with Richards and Montgomery, or you can interchange Brooks, Sestina, Whitney. This UK team reminds me of a lot of the UK teams of years past. They're going to be really good in March, and they can throw a lot of different things at you. Can score, can really defend, just really big, really long. So I think you have to feel great about where you're at. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was definitely a little concerning after the Evansville loss, and then we went to Vegas, lost back to back. I was a little concerned about this team, but I mean, they're get, it looks like they're getting better every game. I know we just lost South Carolina last week, but like I said, we controlled that whole game until the last five or six minutes or so, and they'll learn from that. But I mean, yeah, there's not going to be one team in the country that wants to see Kentucky in their region when March comes. I can tell you that I don't. Not that, for my LSU Tigers or the Louisville Cardinals. That's all you can really ask for from your team when the NCAA tournament is all about who just gets hot at the right time and who can win six games. Especially this year, there's really not one dominant team. I feel like we've said that in the past before, but this year, maybe more than ever, like no one really scares you more than anybody else. Yeah, very true. Let's move on to the Louisville Cardinals coming off a massive win against Duke. They went into Wednesday night's matchup with Georgia Tech as a 13-and-a-half point favorite. Didn't exactly go that way. Down six at half, ended up being down 11 in the second half, ended up being up 11 in the second half. Georgia Tech still has a shot to win it with 15 seconds left, down two. It was a very weird game. There was a lot of good and bad for Louisville. Final possession of the game, Georgia Tech's about to bring the ball up and look for a two to tie, a three to win. And we make a sub to get Jordan Wara out of the game defensively. And I think that's really alarming for Louisville that that's how bad he's been on the defensive end. There was one play where a guy just went right by him, and we're going to get into some of these draft projections in a second and where these guys are at, but they have Wara right now going 29th overall in the first round. And I just feel like if that gentleman for Georgia Tech, who's fourth on their team in scoring, can go to the rack and lay it up on him whenever he wants, Luka Doncic can probably do that too. 
Yeah, but Luca's probably doing that to 98% of the NBA population. Yeah, but you take a look at a guy like Romeo Langford, guy really raw, a lot of skills. He's on a two-way contract with the Celtics. He's playing like two minutes a night. If they're up by 30 or down by 30, and you just never see him, and I worry about that for Jordan because he is so lacking on the defensive end that when he gets to the next level, it's not necessarily going to matter how well he can score if he can't stay in front of anybody, especially people on Georgia Tech. Yeah, and defense is one of those things, like, even if you're not born with it, like, you can learn. You yes. can get better. Like, if you look at Tyler Hero last year at Kentucky at the beginning of the year, everyone was going around him. And by the end of the year, he was one of our best defensive players. Yeah. And he's not locked down by any means, but he's good enough to – he's not going to hurt you out there. Yeah, and if you have the athletic tools, that's just something you can learn as yeah, a basketball player. If Tyler Hero can do that, I mean, Jordan can do that easily. But Jordan still really struggled from the field. This is back-to-back 3-for-11, 3-for-12 style games for him. He ended up with 10 points, 7 boards. It's just weird to take him out. You know, with 20 seconds left in the game, most important part, he's our best player and he has to come out. David Johnson, another incredible game from him last night. So many great passes, great shots, a lot of hockey assists. Five of nine from the field, 10 points. But he had four fouls with 11 minutes left in the second half because he is just grabbing guys that are driving right around him. And I don't know what to think about this Louisville team. I don't know that what's happening right now, all these close games, finding a way to win them will help them in March or if it just shows that they're somewhat incapable of pulling away, of of winning a game. It seems like when they get a lead, everything just stops. They throw it into the Malik Williams black hole. He just catches it. He passed one time last night. He kicked it out because they quadruple teamed him. I thought they were going to stop the game and do something with that ball. They quadruple teamed Malik Williams? And he, well, and he, kicked, and he kicked it out because I think the coach said it. You, the coach of Georgia Tech, Josh Pastor, yeah, it was just like me, apparently. said that you know this guy's never going to kick it out. We may as well quadruple team him. Might and well. he just... He had already dribbled. He couldn't get the shot up. He kicked it out. They did not stop the game and save that ball. But him and Enoch both do some things really well and some things not so well. And Darius Perry and Kimball, you kind of know what you got from them. You got five points, two rebounds, and three assists from each of them last night. Ryan McMahon makes a couple big plays down the stretch, but I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about this Louisville team. Samuel Williamson looked a little better last night. He made a shot. He was open in the corner, and we kicked to him for three, and he made a shot as well as a mid-range shot. Nice, dude. But cards play Clemson this weekend, and Clemson is better than Georgia Tech. I would expect them to be a 10-point favorite over Clemson, something like that. What do you think? Uh, I don't think it'll be 10. Is this game at Clemson? It's at Louisville. Okay, at Louisville. Um, I'd say probably like 7.5 or 8. Clemson's kind of hot right now. I know, they, I know North Carolina's down this year, but they beat North Carolina and Duke for – they beat them both for the first time in, what, like 30 years? I mean. Yeah, impressive win the other night against Wake Forest, too. They Wake Forest isn't good, but they were at home, and they were trailing that entire game, and they found a way to come back and win it. So they've definitely been winning some basketball games lately. I just don't know what to think. This this Louisville team, it's just driving me crazy. It's, it's such a frustrating watch, but at the end of it, you just kind of have to shrug and be like, well, a win's a win. If we would have lost, it's okay to be really mad about this, but yeah, we won. At the, yeah, that's the – the best way to look at it when it's happening to your team, but at the same time, you need to blow out the teams that you're supposed to blow out, or at least control the game throughout. You know, like you said, Louisville was down 11 in the second half, but I think this was the prime, perfect hangover spot, and I think most people probably saw this coming. Yeah, I would agree that they're coming off an awesome road trip, but they're coming home. I just thought they'd be excited to be there. You see that sweet new picture of the locker room? Yeah, that was that was dope. Like, well, you guys aren't happy to play <laughs> in front of this, this electric Yum Center crowd? They pulled out the win, which is all that matters and when it comes to resume season in March, but could have definitely been more impressive. Yeah, it's just really important because right now they're ranked sixth, and you get a two seed. That's awesome. 
You're playing a seven or a ten seed second. It's just way different than getting a three seed. You see yeah. way fewer two seeds go out in that first weekend. Yeah, one or a two is so critical. And with this year, it's wide open. Those top eight lines could change ten times from now until exactly. Selection Sunday. So I agree with you 100%. You got you to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and you got to beat a few that you're not supposed to beat. And Louisville just did that with Duke, and now they're beating teams they're supposed to beat. Yeah, and now Louisville has – Clemson at Boston College at NC State, Wake Forest, and Virginia in their next five. They should win all those games, but I just don't feel like they're going to because they go through yeah. these spurts of the game where they don't score any points. It feels like y'all might drop one maybe at NC State. NC State's kind of tough. Obviously, the Louisville is capable of winning all those games. They're, yeah, the they're going to be the better team in every single one of those matches. They're going to be favored in every single yeah. one of them. So we'll see how it goes. Big games this weekend for both Louisville and Kentucky. I'd say Kentucky's is a little bigger. You guys travel to Texas Tech for the Big 12 SEC Challenge. There's some great games. Baylor in Florida, LSU-Texas. It's going to be fun. What are your thoughts on the UK-Texas Tech game, and what do you think the line's going to be? This game probably changed a lot because Texas Tech just got beat pretty easily by a pretty bad TCU team. So that's kind of a bummer. Obviously not before the game, but Texas Tech's going to probably drop out of the rankings unless they beat Kentucky on Saturday. And I don't know. Texas Tech's a tough place to play, and this Texas Tech team already beat the Cards on a neutral court. But I, I watched that game, and they just they don't scare me at all against yeah. TCU. And, and remember, I loved like, them against Baylor, and Baylor yeah. went in there and dominated. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, this Kentucky team's playing better. I want to have faith. I think Kentucky's going to be favored in this game, not by a lot, maybe three and a half, four. But Ooh. it's uh, we're on different sides of this line. You think Texas Tech's going to be favored? Texas Tech minus one. Minus IMO. Either way, it's going to be close to a pick, and I just got faith in the Cats. I think they're playing really good right now. That like I've said three times, sorry, that loss South Carolina shouldn't have been a loss. They played really good for thirty minutes of that game. I just I think they're playing good, and I think Texas Tech is trending in the opposite direction. I agree, and Kentucky's looking a lot better in the road environments since that Arkansas game. I just have much more faith in them going to a place that's going to be crowded. It's going to be raucous yeah. in there. And how much crazier can a place be than that Arkansas game exactly. just was? Yep, and you should have your coach for all of that game. That should yeah. help. Okay, so I have Texas Tech minus one. You have UK minus three and a half. And then Louisville, you have seven and a half, and I have ten. Yeah, we'll they'll see probably who's closer. all fall somewhere in between there. Uh, let's talk about where these guys are supposed to get drafted. I want to revisit this because in the beginning of the year, you were looking at Samuel Williamson lottery pick, Wara in the 20s, and uh, even Enoch getting some second-round buzz, as well as Jay Scrub, who's a JUCO guy, who Louisville gets next year, who is eligible for the draft this year. And, I mean, if he gets that kind of buzz without being in a D1 college basketball program, he may not need Louisville anyway. But do you have any updates on the Cats? Yeah, so I looked on um, the NBA Draft Express website. Those guys updated every week or so. They had um, Hagen's going 28th, late first or maybe early second. And they had uh, Maxi top 20 pick. I think Maxi could be a lottery pick if he just plays a little more consistently, which has kind of been an issue for him all year. But he definitely has the skill set to be a lottery pick. That's where he was projected before the season started. Yeah, but I still have him at 12 yeah. here. And I think that's reasonable. That guy can really score. Yeah, I think after um, after the season, after the March Madness run or lack of run, whatever, and after the combine, I think I think Maxi finds his way to the back half of the lottery. And uh, they got Richards going at 45th. I think this is the last year for Richards because how much can his stock really improve? Yeah, I would agree. And I think Richards can do a lot that can help an NBA team right now. Yeah, I mean, he's just one of those, um, obviously not as big or athletic, but uh, Tyson Chandler, Jared Allen type players just run the floor, be where you're supposed to be on offense and defense, protect the rim, grab rebounds. I mean, every team could use one of those guys. Yep, consistency is key with him too. 
you all were all saying he was going first overall for a while, and it looks like he might go around 45th overall. I don't overall. think anybody ever said that. But I like him. I think he can definitely help a team. Celtics need a center. A lot of teams need centers. Yeah, he needs to get that. Um, he's been taking a lot more mid-range lately, and he's hit probably about 35 to 40% of them, which isn't horrible for a big guy. But if he can get that a little more, a uh, little more consistent and step back a little bit more, uh, yeah, he's. I mean, he's definitely an NBA prospect. Yeah. A few weeks ago when I looked at this, they still had Samuel Williamson going 18th. They had War going 22nd, Enoch in the 40s, J-Scrub 32. The updated version has War going 29th, no other Cardinals in the mock draft. Uh, the one I looked at had Enoch at 39. All right, let's That's go Enoch. That's on Draft Express. Okay, I love it. Yeah, I mean, just a big body like that, and it can shoot. NFL is, or uh, the NBA is always going to need that. Yeah, Enoch still, his conditioning is a question. Malik Williams played 22 minutes last night, and he didn't, did end up with 13 points, but he made some bad plays. And I just feel like the ceiling, the upside with Enoch out there in our best lineup, like it's just better than with Malik Williams out there. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Malik Williams had that dunk against Duke, which was iconic. And that guy can't even jump over a piece of paper. I was shocked when it happened. <laughs> Last night they threw an alley-oop to him and just had no chance. <laughs> I, I'm excited to see that they've finally removed Williamson's name from this because yeah, he is not to, a one-and-done type player. It's hard to see a guy going to the NBA who doesn't even get a ton of minutes in college. Like It's just hard, especially the first-round lottery type. Let's move on to the NBA. Not much on it today, but something happened last night. Zion Williamson in the house. His debut. Not a knock on Zion. It almost put us to sleep for a while. I bet we lost a lot of people through those first three quarters. And then he just snaps in the fourth quarter, goes nuts. He hits four for four, three balls, 22 points. He's going wild. It's it's like one of the best NBA stretches of the season to watch. And for whatever reason, the Spurs are just daring him to shoot the three. And yeah. he's just knocking them down. They're not guarding him at all. I mean, that was there. probably in their game plan, though. Yeah, definitely. Because I, nobody wants to be the guy that gets dunked on this dude's first career game yeah incorrect game plan though for for what it's worth yeah now now <laughs> it looks like yeah but the pelicans are up one they take zion out with five minutes left or so and he's on a minutes restriction he doesn't come back in it was a weird scene because they're in new orleans and i've watched some pelicans games this year on league pass and the camera when you can see the crowd there's never anybody there and in this game there was packed. a ton of people there it was packed it was loud and he has such a great debut in such limited minutes. But, I mean, they're they're booing. I think they're yeah, going to start throwing stuff on the court. I would have booed, too. I mean, this was the most excited I've ever been during a regular season game, besides Kobe's last game ever, which was yeah, iconic. That was awesome. Um, I mean, this was, this was crazy. I'm so glad I sat through the first three quarters for this. Just absolutely electric. I mean, every time he shot a three, you're like, all right, no way. Like, this is the one that's he's going to miss bad. He just drained every single one of them. The crowd's going crazy like this is – the NBA Finals Game 7, and, man, I get that he has a minute restriction and somebody gave Alvin Gentry the order to take him out, but no. It's you supposed to be You fun. don't take him out there. Yeah, it's you supposed can't, to be fun. You can't convince me him playing five more minutes is going to be so much worse for his body than with all that adrenaline pumping, and there's just no way. If he's healthy enough to play, he should play. And I think that parts of last night kind of showed that he might not have been healthy enough yeah, to Yeah, he definitely he definitely needs to drop a few pounds. I mean, just being off the court for this many months, you're obviously going to put some weight on when you're an athlete of that caliber. And he needs his conditioning up, but that'll come just playing games. like. And you and I, we, we watched the whole Pelicans game last night. We watched it intently. During that stretch, he's hitting those threes. The Spurs are just driving right by him. Like, they're putting him in ball screens to where he's guarding the ball, and they're going right by him, and he is putting zero effort in on the defensive end. Did yeah, that alarm I mean, you at all? Not really. I mean, he's probably exhausted. Like we said, he's probably out of shape. Yeah. I mean, he's using so much energy on offense and just all the 
the energy coming just his first time playing basketball in seven months and I'm not gonna say the biggest crowd he's ever played in front of because he played at Duke and huge games, but like that game was probably compared to Cameron Indoor in the fourth quarter when they're all going crazy with a ton more people in the building. Like I'm not concerned about Zion anything. Even if he would have played horrible last night, I'm not gonna be concerned about him. I'm not gonna make a judgment on him until he's back in game shape, 100 percent healthy, not on a minutes restriction, and playing every single game. For sure, that's very fair. I just think that's what makes the Milwaukee Bucks so good every single night is their defensive consistency and defensive effort every single night. Zion does get a zero out of ten on defensive <laughs> effort from me. I, he was yeah. he was awesome. I loved watching. It. I think he's going to be so great. But like, I don't know if he heard that you just didn't play defense in the NBA and he just went out there and did it. But like, he legitimately played no defense in, in the fourth quarter when he was hot. In the second quarter when he wasn't, zero defense the entire time. Yeah. Just wasn't interested in it. The thing with Zion is once he gets back into shape, his athleticism will make up for a lot of his lack of. Like he's going to have a ton of chase down. I mean, you saw it in the Duke Virginia game last year. When he was, I don't know if he was the one out of position, but somebody was out of position. Virginia was getting an open three, and he jumped from damn near the block. And Crazy, Jeff. Blocked a three. Yes. Like, he's going to be able to do, like, his athleticism will save his lack of defense on some nights when he's fully healthy. Yeah, the guy is definitely awesome. His his quickness of his second jump, Jeff Van Gundy said that last Oh, that night. was on that one that got blocked, and mm-hmm. he jumped. Yeah, that was nuts. And that's, like, kind of what makes Zion so different. Like, it's it's like a super Montrez Harrell. Like, he gets these balls in these spots where, like, he, it doesn't feel like he can even score. He's so far under the basket, and then he just explodes up and finishes. It really was impressive at times. That was just something that really stood out to me. It's like he he has to play harder. And he looked a little uncomfortable on his leg. But like you said, I mean, game shape, basketball shape is different than anything he can practice. So it's fair. Nice win for the San Antonio Spurs. First time this year I sat down and watched a full Spurs game. Yeah, and shout out to them. Every time the Pelicans made a run, the building's going crazy. They they answered every possession. felt like they always hit a big three and – I mean, that's just Popovich and the Spurs. They've been there before. And that eight spot's wide open in the West. The one through seven's pretty clogged, and there's a decent gap between yeah. seven and eight. It's like Grizzlies, Spurs, Pelicans are down there. Blazers are down there, Blazers, too. And yeah. I feel like the Blazers and the Spurs are the most likely teams that are primed to make a run at that spot and not kind of go through that seven, eight-game losing streak. I've been waiting for the Blazers to turn it on all year, and they just they just haven't. Yeah. I've been burned by them more than a few times. I know. I feel like they've been playing a little bit better lately. Yeah. I know on MLK Day, Lillard had an awesome game. They played the yeah. Warriors. It, it shouldn't even count. Yeah, he had like 60, and it took overtime to beat the Warriors. That's kind of concerning, honestly. Yeah, the Jazz calmly won in Golden Plus State 40. last night by like yeah. 36. That yeah. Was easy. Yeah, the Warriors are just not a very good team. But Zion, we like him. He's going to be great. The Alvin Gentry pulling him out, though, last night. Yeah, that's one of the lamest things I've ever seen. He lost a lot of fans that he may have had, a lot of people that felt indifferently about him or people that didn't know who he was now hate him a lot. When you score 17 in a row, there's no such thing as a minutes restriction. No. When your team is down one, it'd be different if they were getting blown out or they were up big, but they were down one and they were down a lot more than that before Zion went crazy. Yeah, Lonzo Ball, he's telling him to dribble over and take a timeout. Lonzo Ball just crosses ref. That yeah, was dope. that was awesome. Like Lonzo Ball a little bit more after last night. Brandon Lonzo's, Ingram, tough scene, having a great year, tough scene yeah, on a big stage. No one stage. cares anymore. Yeah, <laughs> no one's going to talk about him anymore. He's all Zion. Seriously, but that, I mean, the, the Pelicans got potential. They do. I mean, obviously, probably not going to happen this year. But if they can keep these guys, Zion, Lonzo, and Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram has turned into a all-star level player, and Lonzo Ball's been a lot better. Yeah, but every really good player that's ever been a New Orleans Hornet or Pelican leaves immediately, first second they have the chance. Yeah, but that was usually because they didn't have any help. Anthony Davis was there his whole career. Yeah. Their, their peak was like seven or eight seed. Even CP3, though, and David West, like that team was pretty good. Yeah, that team was good. But it was like, 
dude, get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> get I mean, me New out Orleans of is a better. dope city. I don't think I'd want to live there, though. Very fair. It's a great way to put it. It's great food, but it's muggy, and it's wild. Yeah, wild place. Yeah, they're probably still partying. I think the Pelicans' hype generation has a lot to do with LSU's national championship. The people in the state are just hyped about sports. They want something to cheer about. Yeah, Zion gave it to them. I mean, probably I can't speak for it myself because it hasn't happened to the Pistons in my life, but it's probably such a good feeling having a rookie that you feel like can save your franchise. Very true. Uh, Let's do a little Super Bowl talk. We have plenty of this next week, so not too much tonight. But you weren't on Tuesday's episode, so your early thoughts on Chiefs Niners. Yeah, I've been thinking about this game a lot. Obviously, last football game of the year, biggest game. Um, I just feel like the Chiefs are way better at quarterback and wide receiver. But other than that, I think the Niners might be better at every single position. Their D-line's better. Their run game is way better. Kittle is better than Kelsey. It's not a big gap, but I think he's a little better overall. Corners are better, I think. I don't. I really don't know what to think in this game, but I know that I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. Okay, yeah, a lot of, a lot of just different thoughts yeah, from you yeah. there. I mean – if I had to pick a winner right now, who I'm going to bet on, it's going to be the Chiefs. But I'm kind of talking myself out of it because the Niners' defense is legit and their run game is probably the best in the NFL. My favorite player in the game is Tyron Matthew. He's going to go nuts. Yeah, him and, and, him and Frank Clark, I think, are arguably going to be the two best defensive players in that game. Uh, it's close. I mean, I, mean, I get that you can argue ball, Bosa, yeah. but they're right there. It, it, it's hard to say yeah, that those guys. It's not the case. Yeah, I mean, people kind of have this misconception that Chiefs defense is horrible, but they've played really good the second whole second half of the season. Yep, entire second half, and then they have had a, a couple of really rough starts in these playoff games, which you've seen vulnerability from them, and, and you haven't not, seen that from the Niners in the playoffs. Yeah, that's not just their fault either. Like the Chiefs' offense wasn't scoring points early on in the, in the game either. I like the Chiefs. You like the Chiefs, but we might change. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, super confident about it, but obviously I'm going to pick a side, and I know I've made a rule for myself that I will never in my life fade Patrick Mahomes. Okay, well, it looks like you're not going to change, and I'm not going to change because I have a Mahomes jersey I need something to wear on Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to bet a 1,000 props, too. Oh, yeah, we're going to have a major prop episode. It's going to be prop best. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be fun. I was with you when your team won the Super Bowl, and the Broncos finally won it. Um, you threw up on the side of my house for times. a while. Yeah, yeah. What went a, home, threw up in my driveway like six or seven times. What a way to celebrate. Yeah, wouldn't have it any other way. When the Rams won the Super Bowl in 1999, <laughs> I actually didn't do five that. Five years old. Because I was five. <laughs> yeah, I was just really excited and anxious because the Titans almost scored. Uh, we were one yard away from losing that game. But why don't you tell me about your favorite Super Bowl memory that doesn't involve your own team? So I was thinking about this, and it was kind of hard because I feel like my entire life, it's just been the Patriots, and I hate, yeah. I can't stand the Patriots. So my number one moment is the David Tyree catch. We'll never forget watching that game. <laughs> yeah. We'll never forget the whole game, just thinking, like, there's no way, there's no way. Patriots undefeated. Not going to get my hopes up. No way Eli Manning does this. And then he's getting sacked in the third down. I'm like, well, that's it. Game over. Patriots 19-0. and And then he just flings it, and some guy I've never heard of cl- clamps it on his helmet. I'm like, we are alive. That was awesome. Yeah, and – uh Santonio Holmes' catch was great for the Steelers, but I was cheering for the Cardinals in that game. So, but that was maybe the best Super Bowl, yeah, of our life. I mean, that game was awesome. Back and forth the whole game. Yeah, my two favorite ones. Uh, actually, one has to do with the Patriots. I loved Terrell Owens when I was younger, and I was cheering for the Eagles so heavily. Oh, the Philly special. I got that on my list too. And the uh, Eagles. No, Terrell. Like way. Oh, back when in the he day. had. Okay, okay. When he had his broken leg. Yeah, yeah like yeah, so. Game sucked. Terrell Owens, Donovan McNabb going against the Patriots. 
but Dion Branch, Super Bowl MVP, which was yeah, super that's, awesome. That's pretty cool for you Louisville fans. Yeah, I love that. That for is me, one of my just, favorite Super Bowl memories. For me, it was just another Patriots Got ring. the signed picture right here of him just mossing on the Eagles, winning yeah. the title. I loved that. And then my family, all Saints people, the Porter pick six to beat the Colts. In the Super Bowl, I think 2009, 2010. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome. That was a pretty lit moment. Nice to see Breeze win one. He deserved it. But those are my two favorite ones that don't involve the Rams. Last year's Super Bowl uh, sucked. Maybe the worst Super Bowl of all time. And there's just no way that this Super Bowl is worse than that. I won't say it's the worst of our lives because my team got blasted by 50. Yeah, 43 That was the worst one. At least the game last year was close, but yeah, it, it was so boring. And Gurley was gone. That one was 3-3, three to three, breaks that big 30-yard run. There's a phantom hold. Yeah, I mean, the uh, refs have done whatever whoever's it takes. On, whoever's on the call of the game, I think it was Romans. I don't know. I don't see much there. Stop time. Stop time right there and just give it to the Patriots again. Ever since the tuck roll, I mean, the refs have been doing whatever it takes. To oh, get my Brady God. As just, many rings as he can. Just rip that moment away from a guy like Charles Woodson. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. Most disgusting play in NFL history, probably. Yeah, very tough. Let's get into some other stuff. The Aaron Hernandez documentary is on Netflix. It's very popular. People that love sports and people that have no love idea yeah. what sports are, they they love this documentary. And it's it's not a happy story by any means, but it is a well-made documentary. There's things that you can nitpick about it. A lot of people don't like the documentary, but I will say that it keeps your attention the entire oh, sure. time. I watched it all in one sitting, three episodes, about an hour long per. So it's, it's a nice length, too. You don't have to, like, commit your life to it, yeah. but... It's interesting because you remember a lot about what's going on in the story from where you were in your life and kind of seeing it pop up on ESPN. But you also learn a ton from it that you didn't know. So your thoughts on the Aaron Hernandez documentary? Yeah, I wanted to love it because I love documentaries and I love all this killer stuff, you know, that everybody's into. And Netflix always does such a good job of stuff like this. But yeah. parts of it were just really sloppily done, it felt like. And they just put a lot of stuff in there that didn't really need to be in there, like the the random Patriots player that was gay, he had no connection to Aaron Hernandez. See, I watched it over, right? I, yeah. I watched it over to try to figure out if him and Aaron Hernandez had ever talked. No, exactly. They, he didn't even bring up Aaron's name once. He was just talking about his own struggles with being a gay NFL player, which is like interesting, but has nothing to do with, with the documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they tried to paint that picture for you, and it's just like maybe he was a murderer. That's another thing I didn't like about this. They made it such a big deal that he smoked a lot of weed and that he or might have had gay relationships in high school, that's like pointing like, this is why he killed people. Like, no, maybe he was just a psycho. Yeah, like, like maybe, his dad beat the shit out of him, and he was just crazy. Maybe he got a drink poured on him in the club and literally shot and killed two yeah, people. Yeah, I don't care what my sexual orientation is or how much I smoke weed. I'm not going to kill somebody for spilling a drink on me. No, no, and I think that it's kind of, like, that is also the part that I hated about it most. Like it, it was cool hearing the 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 prison phone calls. Like there, yeah, there's... I like that. I like that part a lot. The action. It's always cool when they use like real footage or real yeah. recording stuff like that because it helps you kind of like understand what he was going through and what he was thinking through this whole time. But other parts than that, like I just felt like they drug it out longer than it needed to be and added stuff they didn't need to add. Yeah, very fair. And the high school quarterback that he yeah. was said to have a relationship. That was with. the out of nowhere. Out of no one has ever heard. Well, me personally, I've never heard Aaron Hernandez gay rumors at all. I for sure learned that. And this dude was just talking, and he was like, "Yeah, me and Aaron used to hook up. You we know, experimented. We yeah, like who didn't." The the quarterback and the tight end, and then all these reports come out that this He's dude not was the quarterback. not the quarterback. And he was like the linebacker. The senior well, year. apparently he was He was like a third-string quarterback. And he got kicked off the team because him and Aaron Hernandez were smoking weed. But Aaron Hernandez getting kicked off. 
because he was too good. Well, yeah, which makes a lot of <laughs> sense. Yeah, just weird. That that whole thing was just. And odd. he brought his dad. Why did he bring his dad? Oh, his dad's just there for moral support. It I guess. zooms out. His dad's like, yeah, they were hooking up. And, like, what and are we doing? The exact same. Yeah, they it, were definitely related. Yeah, it, no conspiracy there. It was for sure his dad. <laughs> Confirmed. I tweeted it out, but like they brought that dude back. You wouldn't see him for thirty minutes. He'd come back and be like. Yeah, we were hooking up. Like, we get it, bro. You only have to yeah. tell the story once. Yeah, we're, we're now in chapter four of he this. He mentioned that he was the quarterback and that they had a relationship of some kind. In all three episodes. All three at episodes at just random times. They'd, yeah. be sh- they'd be showing, like, his aunt's house, and they'd cut out, and it'd be like him, like, I was the quarterback. We hooked up. Like, dude, we get it, man. Like, congrats. That, that part was totally ridiculous. <laughs> Something I didn't understand. So he's, he's on trial for this first murder of Odin Lloyd, his friend, and there's piles of evidence against him and he and he gets convicted he's going to spend life in prison for murdering the semi-professional football player odin lloyd i did like how they told a lot of odin lloyd's story on that i felt like yeah. that was appropriate yeah, to have sure. some of his friends on there but he gets convicted for this murder and then he gets a dope attorney for the second yeah murder. why didn't he get him for the first one the same bias the same guy that got casey anthony off he's in there for the second murder and he gets him off somehow which was amazing because it, it still seems like aaron hernandez killed those people yeah and he yeah but at that point, it didn't even matter. Like he exactly. Was, What's the point? I don't even get why you do a trial when somebody's already serving life. Yeah, I, I think it's unless just, like he gets acquitted from that somehow. You have to like in terms of the legal system, it's probably just so they can like check these boxes. Like, yeah. okay, this case is now solved. But I mean, what are they going to give him double life? Or like, I guess he can get the death penalty, but I think they can. I think they can give him double life. <laughs> yeah, but like, what's the point? Like, he's already going to be in there. But uh, yeah, that was weird, really weird how he didn't get that lawyer from for the, the first one. Yeah, because you know he has all the money in the world. And like, that lawyer was like, you know, Aaron Hernandez. It looks like he wrongfully got off for killing these two people. I, I had that perception of it. Yeah, and after if, the documentary, but that that lawyer was like dope at his job. Yeah, even if he didn't pull the trigger, he probably ordered the command, and he was still in the car, and like he was like catch up to them, like. And they just attacked that one guy that Aaron Hernandez also shot in the face. Yeah, that was crazy. I didn't, and he just like lived. I didn't know anything about Neither that. Did I. And you're looking at this guy, and you're like, man, your face is messed up, bro. Yeah. I hope everything's okay. That's and then was, you're like, oh, never mind. Aaron Hernandez literally shot you in the face. The whole documentary, I was like, what's wrong with this guy's face? And then they're like, yeah. And then Hernandez shot him in the face. Like, oh my god. God, nuts. But if you get if you get shot in the face and you live like you're a warrior. Yeah, you can't tell him exactly. <laughs> and with they're they're attacking him in the courtroom, making the whole thing his fault. Which I guess and he didn't really like deny. Like, I know. Yeah, I don't. Know I, what I just that don't was think about. he was brilliant. You know. Well, he got shot in the head. He's probably a little slow. Now. I think I thought he was no match for attorney bias. Yeah, I mean, he's probably not many people are. I mean, he, if you get Casey Anthony off, you can probably get damn near anybody in the world off. Yeah, but yeah, the whole thing was just it was really interesting there were parts that i liked parts that i didn't like i love the tim tebow cameo get him in there for a minute we need that 30 for 30 on that whole florida team yeah ton of legends on that team yeah definitely ton of bad guys like riley cooper and aaron hernandez yep very true riley cooper not as bad of a guy as aaron hernandez some racial slurs doesn't really compare to a triple murder Yeah, I mean, this guy (laughs) killed a lot of people, and they just try to blame it on so many other things that never once present the case that maybe he was just a psycho murderer, which is kind of what I thought. I thought it was really weird when he first got to jail. He was talking about all the gay people there and, like, how he couldn't stand it. Yeah. And then, like, five seconds later, like, yeah, he was gay. By the way. Yeah. I thought that was uh, kind of weirdly timed. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but when he killed himself back in the day. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that long ago either. It was kind of presented by the media like maybe he didn't kill himself because he just got off for this and it was kind of like maybe he was yeah. murdered in there except well, anytime anybody of fame or 
notoriety of any kind kills themselves or dies, there's always going to be conspiracies behind it. Yeah, and I, I went into it thinking... Like a famous person would never just kill themselves, but when you're in jail, it's a little different. I was thinking, like, I wonder if I'm going to leave this documentary wondering if somebody murdered Aaron Hernandez, but he actually... Like, I actually left there thinking, oh, no, he 100% yeah. killed himself yeah, it's, because of abatement because he wanted... The his, money to the, go to his family. From the Patriots. Yeah. Which, do you know the update on that? Did his family um, ever get that money? I think they got some of it, but I really don't know. You might want to look that up before you quote me on that. I think, because yeah. I remember when that was happening, they were talking about on ESPN, like, will the Patriots pay his family? And I think they ended up getting some of it, but definitely not all of it. Yeah, that, that whole thing was just weird, but I, I did like, the, that is something I learned from it. You know, like, that, that that process happened and that he knew that, and that's probably why he did that. But the whole thing is just, it's really sad for all involved. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's always sad when anybody goes through stuff like that, but especially somebody who has everything you could ever want in the world. I mean, he just signed a 40, he had signed the $40 million contract after he killed two people, or one person at least. I mean, how about him getting off of that second murder? They find that, they found car, that car in the garage. Yeah, that, was, that was a crazy twist. Like, yeah, and this other murder from three years ago, this car hasn't been seen in three years. It was in his aunt's garage. That was nuts. Yeah, that was one. Th- the one thing I didn't know is uh, he was supposed to go to UConn. Didn't know that. Yeah. His brother played at UConn. I think they should have got him as far away from Connecticut as possible. Although he yeah. did go to Florida he and immediately Florida. commit crimes. Yeah. Immediately assault somebody he, in a club, I believe. He was probably just destined to commit a bunch of crimes yes yeah uh the main thing you need to take away from the documentary is that aaron hernandez was not a good guy yeah and it was just a tough scene for red talk enthusiast nick hogan when a person walked up to him oh my god that was hilarious and said you look like hernandez that's that's just it's a tough comment anybody ever told you that was was my brother's girlfriend's dad (laughs) (laughs) yeah anybody ever told you like aaron hernandez i thought he was talking to jake at first and he pointed right at hogan yeah can you see it though uh, same haircut. Yeah, a little, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I mean, I, you get so mad when I call you Josh Pastor and poor, poor Hogan. I don't have long curly hair like that. Poor though. Hogan is trying to enjoy a Louisville <laughs> win over Duke, and your brother's girlfriend's father is going to come up to him and call him Aaron Hernandez. Uh, I don't know. That was tough. Uh, tweets of the week. Let's get into it. What do you have? From last night, it says Zion from three handshake Zion at Wendy's four for four. That's a pretty good one. That one was good. Uh, so I have a similar tweet. Uh, me and Zion Williamson were shaking hands in the in the tweet, and it says, "Waiting months to get 18 minutes of action and performing well for three of those 18 minutes, all while being called fat." <laughs> That's pretty solid. <laughs> That's a good tweet. <laughs> I saw the the uh, McGregor hugging the guy that he knocked out. It said, "When you last 40 seconds, but she understands." Uh, I also liked PFT commenter from part of my take saying Mr. Peanut didn't kill himself. Hashtag stay woke. What's going on there? Dude, I don't know. Why did they need to kill off Mr. Peanut and make a commercial for it? I thought it was very weird. You think it's going to be like a Super Bowl commercial? (laughs) I don't know. It's got to be something to do with Super Bowl. I don't know. uh, Did you see the uh, the Madden video of... Bradley Chubb playing on somebody's ultimate team, and he gets up and breaks like a thousand. I retweeted that, and he yeah. quoted and said, "Built different." Yeah, <laughs> and, and the the comments are like, "This guy's Jesus Christ!" Or like the, <laughs> the guy commenting on it. Yeah, that one was awesome. That was really good. I also liked the TMZ Vanessa Hutchins grabs dinner with Lakers Kyle Kuzma. Dude quotes it and says, "Hey, it helped Troy Bolton turn his game around." Facts. Very true. Also enjoyed the Lamar Jackson drop video. 
where uh, it's just all seven drops that the Ravens had against the Titans made me oh, feel yeah. better about Lamar going out. Nice video today, hitting the crossbar from the 50-yard line. That was nasty. Yep, yeah. that, all, all, another great tweet. And then I also saw that Nike has released Space Jam 2 oh, uniforms for sale. For sale, really? Yeah, on, on Nike's website. And the Monstars uniform have the swoosh on it. And this yeah, guy says, am I to understand that the Monstars, a group of alien employees <laughs> of an amusement park in a faraway galaxy, have an equipment deal with Nike, whose most valuable endorser they are trying to kidnap? Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, a great tweet. Yeah, just, some people just have great tweets. Yeah. I really liked um, Tannehill's tweet before he was eliminated from last week. Or he said, working on the weekend like, like usual. usual with yeah. that hard pick of himself. That one sucked because that meant he beat the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, you had a pretty good tweet about Houston Baptist. Yeah, they're over is legendary. They gave up a uh, a season low ninety points last night. Ninety one to Nickel State. Still went over. Yeah, you tweeted that, and I saw you talking mad shit about Houston Baptist. You know what I went and did? I wasn't talking shit. I said they're over is legendary. I went and took them plus the points, plus fifteen and a half against Nichols, and they covered. I wasn't talking bad about their team. I was talking bad about their defense. They put up points. They put. <laughs> they have games that are one hundred eleven to one hundred seven. 113 to 90, 98, 96, 107, 88. I mean, they gave, they've given up 112 times this year. That is hard to do. Yeah. They almost, I mean, their overs are higher than any college total I've ever seen. And they're like, they're 14 and 2 against the over now. Do you have anything else? Um, I like your haircut. Do you? Yeah, bro. Do you actually like it? Do you think I look like an idiot? I was taken aback when I walked in. I, I know. I'm, I'm kind of. Kind of anxious about it, self-conscious. Have you you haven't uh, you haven't showed it off yet? No, I went out into the world last night and watched Louisville it. Georgia Tech live with my family, but I knew that they would tell me that they liked it no matter how it looked. Okay, cool. But tonight at the bowling match, I mean, we'll just have to see. <laughs> at the bowling match. Okay, uh, I don't I don't think there's any more tweets. Do you have anything you'd like to talk to me about outside of my hair? Uh no, not really. You good? Yeah, that's really. all you had to say was that you liked my haircut. Yeah, we pretty much covered. Every other thing in the world. Well, I guess that's it. This was fun. Would you like to say it? TTYL. <laughs>